We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. We call our Friday edition the tailgate, and if you are a softball fan, this is the show for you. Coming up, you'll hear from Patty Gasso, and Kelsey Arnold will join us. If you're a football fan and you missed any of the recap of signing day, then we have the one, the only, Lincoln Riley, and his, I guess that would be what now, Wednesday presser coming your way in the Sooner Sports podcast today. But obviously, I've been the play-by-play voice now of the Oklahoma Sooner softball team for the last two seasons going on our third year. So we're with the team in Phoenix, Arizona, getting set for an interesting stretch, five games in three days, including a doubleheader, which will begin later today. The Sooners will take on Weber State. We'll be on the air at 315 on the Franchise 2. That's AM 1560. And... You can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us on the TuneIn Radio app. It should be a fun weekend. Doubleheader tomorrow, 3.30 against Weber State, 6.30 against Grand Canyon. And then on Saturday, we host for the first time in school history, Montana. We'll have a primetime rematch with Grand Canyon. That will be at 5.30 on Saturday night. And then we'll wrap up the opening trip of the weekend with a showdown against Pacific at 11 a.m. You know, Patty Gasso is coming up, and it was really the way it worked out was pretty cool because we were sitting in the dugout as the team arrived. We we landed here in Phoenix, I want to say around 12 o'clock. And as the team arrived, we went straight to Grand Canyon University and started practicing at their softball fields. Now, Coach and I were going to sit down when we got back to the hotel, and she looked at me and said, Would now be a good time to do it? And I thought, Absolutely. So it's a really cool addition. Of, uh, of, of Coach Gasso while we're watching batting practice. It, it worked out pretty well. So if you're a softball fan, I think you'll love it. We go in-depth on some of the strategy behind uh, Jocelyn Allo, potentially batting leadoff, maybe the, the different approaches from being a, a champion heading into last year as opposed to being a champion heading into this year. And there isn't really too many conversations involving this softball team that don't include – Paige Parker and Paige Lowry. So uh, Patty Gasso coming up here in mere moments. And 
As soon as we wrap up with Coach Gasso, our Oklahoma Farm Bureau Sooner Born, Sooner Bred Athlete of the Week is none other than Sooner Captain Kelsey Arnold. She was elected as a captain for the second straight season. So you'll hear Coach Gasso talk about Kelsey Arnold, and you'll hear Kelsey Arnold coming up in the podcast today. And then to wrap things up, if you missed any piece of signing day, a little bit of a different feel for signing day in 2018 as, as we've ever had before as Basically, they added three more student athletes. If you follow recruiting, it was pretty much athletes that were expected. But with the December 20th signing dates, kind of changed the vibe, the flow, the feel of the typical regular signing day extravaganza in early February. So Lincoln Riley is coming up. And obviously, there's some news with another injury to Nick Basquin that Coach will get you caught up in just a bit. But before we get going, I, I just want to thank everyone for downloading. We continue to climb up those charts. So make sure you spread the word. Uh, hit up Soonersports.tv slash podcast. If you are uh, an iTunes podcast listener, the link is very simple to find. Search Oklahoma Sooners Podcast. You see the OU logo powered by Learfield. And any platform in which you consume podcasts, Ditcher, Google Play, whatever it might be. The Art19 app is the way that I always go through and listen on my laptop. You can do it as well, too. It's all there at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And as always, thanks to our great sponsors, Allstate and the Riverwind Resort. So let's head into the dugout, shall we? A pretty cool conversation with OU softball coach Patty Gasso as we are live from Phoenix, I guess live in the podcast world, talking Sooner softball. So was there such thing as an offseason for you? Did you give your time to kind of celebrate and enjoy? What I think people forget, they see the World Series run and the undefeated run from the Super Regional through the Women's College World Series. They forget all the adversity we had to go through last year, Coach. Yeah, but without that, we wouldn't be – holding a trophy I, I strongly feel that um, celebrations were good they were kind of short-lived because <laughs> everybody goes home you know right, right afterwards so and for us as coaches we just get back on the recruiting trail so um, there's just not much time to breathe um, we get a few weeks off here and there through the summer and end of uh, end of fall but um we're, we're rejuvenated. We're ready to go. Is this the first ever interview that we've done during batting practice? I think this is a first for us, isn't it? Probably so. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say during this time. <laughs> I just am a spectator like you, so we can just talk about it. Well, uh, I think we'll probably get some oohs and ahs here in just a little bit because we are in Phoenix, Arizona at Grand Canyon University for the start of the 2018 season. All right, well, just I guess there's some natural questions what's the biggest difference in the 2018 Sooners and what we finished with in 2017 what have you seen so far maturity uh, a lot of discipline very focused last year in the fall we just we struggled with the whole repeat we were pressing we were trying to you know be something that we weren't they were trying to mimic their numbers and everything they did the year before and we learned that that is not the way to do it. Last year, we didn't have a good fall, and they learned. So this fall has been outstanding. The upperclassmen have been great leaders for the freshmen who are going to be very instrumental. And as we go forward, we're extremely deep uh, bench. So with that always creates greatness because you have battles throughout the field all every day. So I think a little maturity, no panic, more excitement. How have has this freshman, which this freshman class, I should say, where you have a little bit of everything, got an infielder, got a catcher, got an outfielder, got a power hitter, how have they handled coming into a situation to where you're going to have to scratch and fight and claw for playing time? I think at first they were a little intimidated, and sometimes I still think they might be because they are just surrounded by the names that they've seen on TV for quite a while, but if you don't fall in place with them, then you are completely exposed. And the upperclassmen have done a really good job. They haven't separated themselves, and we kind of did that last year. We didn't do a very good job with the Mariah Lopez class last year. But this year, they've really embraced these young ones. And um, they do it because they want to help them, but they also do it because they know we need them to win. So I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to make her comfortable if right. she's going to help us win. But you say you didn't do a good job, but you won a championship, and several of those freshmen were key contributors. Mariah Lopez pitched the, the 
the game clincher. Nicole Mendez was in that game clincher, and she was a key part. Was it just a matter of time? It, yeah. Okay. It, it right. was a matter of time. Our fall, it was more, what are you doing here? Why do you get <laughs> championship stuff? You weren't part of that. You know, it, it was kind of this separation and, and not very welcoming, but we had a long talk about that. And we can't be a team if we have that mentality. So, like I said, we've learned a lot of lessons. And um, I think they're lifelong lessons, you know, just yeah. embracing diversity, embracing people that are different than you and not judging them or what do you, you know, just open arm welcoming. And they, they did a good job with this group. It's pretty cool. We're a week removed, well, not even a week yet, from the banquet. And when we're watching the highlight videos, I'm just like you. I'm getting nervous. And, mm -hmm. and, and we lived it. But it's still pretty amazing to think. And, and, and I know we're all moving forward. I mean, we got a game <laughs> coming up uh, later on. But it's still amazing to think what that 17-inning game did for this sport. And our beloved Dodgers getting knocked off ESPN <laughs> for our game. I mean, that you still get a lot of questions. You still get a lot of buzz about that. We do. Yeah. That, getting the Dodgers moved was a highlight of my career, <laughs> I think, because I'm, that, that's, that's like moving royalty. So... Uh, we do get a lot of talk. People still talk about it. I don't know if it'll ever be outdone, but we had so much viewership and so much drama and so much. I mean, both teams were just at each other back and forth. It was just a really fun, long, but fun. <laughs> so the comments I get were more of, Thank you for making me late for work. Thank you for making me go to bed. So, you know, just so I'll take the blame. As long as we won, I would take the blame. One of the things that I've noticed from the outside that's been key has been that continued development of Kelsey Arnold as a leader. I'm sure some fans are like, okay, we get it, Plank. She's become more of a vocal leader. But I don't really know if that's talked about enough, Coach. And you challenged her too last year, didn't you? I did because she's just very um, – living in her own world like just in this really comfortable place that wasn't really connecting with her teammates like she needed to so she stepped out of that comfort zone went out with each one took them to dinner got to know them and I remember just a very mature statement she said to me was um to be a leader she said I've learned that to be a good leader you have to have relationships you have to have a good relationship with the people that you're leading. And I thought, wow, okay, well, this is, that's a pretty knowledgeable and wise statement and very true statement. She put her own time into doing all of that. And, you know, Shay Knighton deserves a lot of credit. They all do. But Kelsey Arnold is the glue. She's the glue. She's the quiet leader, but the calm leader. She, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it except the most humble, like um, everything to me that I, I'm not a big fan of showmanship and she is everything like, that is not showmanship. She's more of a journey woman. Like I, I'm going to work hard to get this done. I'm going to take other people with me, uh, makes everyone around her better, but she's just that calm, confident, solid person, let alone athlete. Let's talk about a couple of other uh, seniors, which still seems wild. We're watching Leah Wodak hit right now, and obviously Leah has established herself, and I, I, I feel it, one of the best defensive catchers in the country. She had a bit of a skid last year in the batter's box. What have you seen from her that's improved with the bat during the offseason? We just watched it. She's got some power yep. back. Um, JT added a little bit of a leg kick to her. That's getting her timing down and getting her power in behind the ball. So she's still a good two-strike punter, but I don't think <laughs> we're going to need to do too much of that. Uh, Leah Wodak has improved her skills behind the plate, too where the pick wasn't very prevalent. Uh, she was a little bit too slow with it, but she has speeded up, sped up her hands um, behind the plate. Her throws are stronger. Uh, I'm really excited for her. She's in a really, really good place thus far. So I think she's going to have a really great season. Yeah, and I think that one of the seniors that gets forgotten about the most might be Nicole Penley nationally. You know, you see five players that are on the preseason watch list, but – 
I mean, you go back and Nicole led the team in RBIs in the postseason. Uh, she seems to have this incredible quiet, quiet, quiet confidence. There's a term that we've used mm -hmm. a lot here. And I just like watching her play, Coach. It, that's a heck of a shadow to come in under. You know, your sister, <laughs> one of the best players in the history of the sport, and she's she's got two rings and is in good position to chase a third here. Yeah, I she uh, she's a great story with we were just talking in the locker room the other day about in front of the team about what a brat she was as a freshman <laughs> like just a pouty whiny you know and I'm like oh God, I gotta live four years with this one but she's grown up she's really she she used to kind of be half in and half out when she was young when she's out at practice there's no one that works harder uh, she just puts out 110% all the time, which was such a big turnaround for her. So um, she is, without doubt, one of the best center fielders in the country, strong arm. But if you remember last year, she was on a home run tear early mm -hmm. in the season. So she's she's back. She's got the power. And I'm, I'm really excited for – <laughs> like I always like excited about starting the season, <laughs> but this lineup is going to be through the roof because there's no room to breathe. And uh, it's better than it was last year most definitely. Yeah, a little more seasoned, more mature. As CeCe's as just we're rocking watching. bombs. <laughs> so uh, I'm really excited to see it because we just have to keep scrimmaging against each other, right. which is when you split this team up, you've got two teams that could easily be in the top 25 or top 15. Two really good pitching staffs. Yeah, so um, to see them finally come all together is something that I just can't wait for. All right, a couple more quick ones mm -hmm. as we're wrapping up batting practice here in Phoenix, Arizona on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Coach, you mentioned, and uh, wow, there's another bomb. Is that Vanessa? My goodness, Takiyaho <laughs> is crushing it right now. Um, Jocelyn Allo, potentially. It's front toss, okay. It, well, this it's is true. Right. No, I understand. I understand. I, I, I'll call myself down <laughs> you here. You could probably hit the wall I, I, on front I, I toss. I think I could get out of here. I think I could get out of here on front toss. You mentioned the potential of using Allo at the top of your lineup. You've used Lauren Chamberlain in the past. What is it that's so um, inviting to you to put that power hitter in the leadoff spot? I think you have to see it to believe it. Uh, our infielders will not. They, they will move where the dirt and the grass meet. They will not play up on her at all. Well, I'm hoping we're still doing this when she gets uh, up yeah. to hit. But anyway, <laughs> so it's th that impressive. Huh? She is going to hit the ball 400 feet or miss hit something 215 feet. It's just <laughs> it's so powerful. And uh, I just got to, you know, I, I think she's very mature. She's been really working hard with JT and understanding um, she doesn't strike out a lot, and that's the oh, good wow. thing. And she runs well, so we're going to go for it because it's just uh, if you see her at the leadoff, first at bat, you're going to go, oh, we're in for a long game. <laughs> so I, we're going we're gonna to see what that looks like. You have in the past, um, you're not afraid to tinker with the lineup or even, I mean, Leah Wodak played outfield. Shea Knight started as a second baseman, moved to first base. I mean, there's it, there seems to be, Coach, a lot of versatility in this team as well, too, even with the uh, newcomers and uh, uh, Flores and uh, Aaliyah, what? Aaliyah Flores. Aaliyah Flores mm -hmm. and some of your other newcomers that you have. It really appears like you have some versatility with this year's team. So dis despite so many set positions, what's that going to look like early on for maybe experimenting, not just with different lineups, but different matchups in the field, too? You know, I'm just going to have to play it the way the game is going. I, I um, There's not a lot of room for error when it comes to us, just with RPI and the conference that we're in with such, you know, small amount of teams in it. So we can't mess around too much. Gotcha. Like we really have to get out there and go for it. If we have a very comfortable lead, then I definitely want to give some of these freshmen opportunity because they're our future. I mean, we're losing a very, very good senior class, obviously, and um, we just we, we got to get them ready to pick up where we're going to leave off eventually. So, uh, going to try to use them the best I can. But I mean, as we see Reagan Rogers coming up right now, she is battled so hard to find her way in this lineup and. It's it's been fun to watch how good these players are getting because 
they have to do so much to get, they have to be that good. And Reagan is a good example of someone that has been knocking on the door and keeps trying and trying and trying. She's been a pinch runner for us most these last two years, but she has made a difference in her at bat and her power. And so, I mean, they're helping us now in a lot of different ways. There's no such thing anymore as like, you just, here is your role. You just right. do this. A few of them will be that way, but majority can do so much. It's makes us better for sure. Here we are 10 minutes in this conversation and I haven't even brought up the pitching staff and uh, you, I think you set another trend, obviously, last year with going with the staff and bringing in Paige Lowry and then specialty. You know, Nicole Mendez will come in to pitch to a lefty at times. Have you seen that evolve, and are you happy with kind of the path that Coach Lombardi has these pitchers on heading into the start of the season? Absolutely, because they're still – we should know enough about our pitchers that we are hitting them pretty good, and we still struggle with um, trying to hit them hard. They they still move the ball and, and – mix speeds so well that they really have to make us good. Um, I mean, they make us good. We've got to really battle against them. But Mariah has been, Mariah Lopez has really stood out this fall. Paige Parker's Paige Parker. I mean, she'll be ready. Paige <laughs> Lowry um, started the fall a little bit slow, but she is on fire right now. She feels really confident. She looks really, really good. Parker Conrad has been making strides. Uh, as Nicole Mendez. It's tough for Mendez because she has to do so much. She's our starting right fielder. She's got a hit. She's got a pitch. She's being pulled around a lot. Uh, and Mel almost had a good fall, just kind of, you know, a different look than what the others bring. And uh, so we're we're just in really good order. I asked Brittany Williams, our graduate assistant, like, what – what do you think our weaknesses? Tell me, you, you're, you've been in the middle of it. Tell me what our weaknesses. And she, she's thinking and thinking. And she said, um, maybe bunting. And maybe and I'm like, ah, okay, well, we don't think we're going to do a lot of that anyway. Um, and maybe we're not vocal enough. And I'm like, well, if that's all you got, then I feel pretty good. When you've, when you've been in the mix for three years, like Paige Parker has, uh, what's the challenge going to be like for her since everyone has such a good scout on her? I mean, and she has a good scout on everyone, but Coach, she's – is that a challenge or is that just something that comes with the comes with the position and comes with the reputation? It comes with it. I think you, you're going to have to have something a little more up your sleeve, and Paige can do that, and she's just – she can just mix things so well and hit her marks like no one I've ever seen. So um, – I still think even if uh, you look at her sophomore year, she threw about every game in mm -hmm. the Big 12 and facing teams three games in a weekend and still shutting them out. So <laughs> uh, she's got this competitive spirit like I haven't seen from a pitcher just again. And what I love about this group is that they're quiet confidence. Right. They're just – they love to play the game, but they're not real showy. They're not – you know, goofy jumping around in the dugout. They like to take care of business, but that's how they enjoy the game. They enjoy competing versus, you know, goofing around in the dugout. They they enjoy greatness. They they search for perfection, but not enough that it gets in our way. They love good plays. They love clutch hitting. They just, they get into that stuff. They love the sport. Yeah. I mean, they, and it's an easy sport to love. Uh, all right, I'll let you go on this. So you figure Pinley in center, Mendez at right. Mm -hmm. this, this infield's been together for a while, so I wouldn't imagine any changes. Right. But with Aloe in the mix, do you see her as someone that you might DP or in the field out in left field and let Fale DP? I think her and Fale are going to be trading on and off with that because they both bring, you know, where Aloe might have a stronger arm, Fale has better angles to the ball. So they, they bring something different, and they're going to battle that. And, you know, Reagan might be able to get in that mix um, a little bit as well. So, I don't know. It's it's I, I've got some that can come in as defensive specialists. You'll see me bring in someone maybe in left field late in the game that uh, is a little bit better than maybe those two in left field. But, 
well, I've you got a lot of toys. I got I a lot of pe- people to make happy. I don't know how I'm going to do that. And for the first time since 1988, our beloved Los Angeles Dodgers made the World Series. So, what was it like to be there? In mm-hmm. Even though we didn't win, what was it like to be in Chavez Ravine? I was there on Halloween, oh, and really? it was ridiculous. And for some reason, I thought sitting in the outfield bleachers—it's the cheapest tickets we could find. <laughs> where I brought my mother. Um, my my son, my good friend uh, from high school, like we were, my my sister went with us, so we were, and Jimmy, my husband, was with us. So I needed to get a lot of seats together, and the only place was in the outfield. And I thought, okay, well, you know, it, all the prices go up. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I was in a freak show out there. So um, <laughs> I I haven't heard those kind of comments in a long time but it was uh phenomenal the atmosphere just it was kind of a bucket list thing uh for me to to want to be able to see it and be a part of it and um i went to the game that we won see your good luck and uh i should have stayed for the next game but i didn't and we lost, we lost. so <laughs> but uh it was it was a great memory family memory for us coach thank you good luck we yes. should have a fun start to the season i think so Thank you. You can sense the excitement. You can see the the smile on Coach Gasso's face when she talks about this team. It's a little bit of a different schedule to start the year for Oklahoma. I mean, they're not opening up with two potential College World Series teams like they did last year where they played, oh gosh, Auburn, a rematch of the championship series from last year, and, and no real rest. You had BYU had a good season, Nebraska. You throw Washington in there as well, too. So a little bit of a different feel to the start of this season. But the intensity is still there for Sooner Captain Kelsey Arnold. We caught up with Kelsey as our Oklahoma Farm Bureau Sooner-born, Sooner-bred Student Athlete of the Week and started where we like to start with all of our Sooner-born, Sooner-bred focus athletes. What drew them to Oklahoma? It's amazing but like humbling experience to play at the University of Oklahoma and being from Oklahoma. It's always been a dream of mine to come here and now that – since I had the opportunity, I just wanted to make the best of it and go out with a blast. Can you kind of take us through what led you to decide to come to Oklahoma in the recruiting process and what brought you here from Holland Hall? My family grew up cheering for OU. That's the only team that I knew in my household, so OU was the way to go. Um, being from Holland Hall, because it's a small community, um, I, it's, I have a lot of support from my family and friends and school teachers back home. Take me through then what it felt like to have the instant success. Super Regional your first year, then back-to-back national championships. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. And being the captain last year. Yeah, it's unreal. It's it's an indescribable feeling. Because you, like, I get, sometimes I get, like, emotional because it's so, like, amazing. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without my teammates and my parents and my family behind me the whole time. You and I talk about this a lot, so you're pr- probably tired of me asking about it, but I marvel at how well you've grown as a leader. What advice would you give to someone who's trying to become more vocal and be a better leader? What helped you? Um, just stepping out of your comfort zone. You got your teammates and your coaches behind you, backing you up all the time. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Go after it 100% and give it all you got. All right, tell me about this team. How excited are you to get things going this weekend? Super excited. I'm just ready to see us play against someone else. <laughs> Instead of playing against our own pitchers and our own fielders, I'm just ready to go at it with someone else. Can you take us through what that challenge is like when you see the same pitchers every single day? And, oh, by the way, they're really good. Uh, not like the pitching drops off, but it's got to be nice to see someone else out there. It is. I mean, we go to a big university with some of the best pitchers in the country, and just being able just to – I mean, we'll play against some of the best pitchers in the country as well, but just being able to see someone you haven't seen. And Coach Lombardi knows what pitches you're struggling with at the time, and it's just going to be better just to play against someone else other than your teammates so you, can get, so you can get even more competitive with it. You know, people see championship and they forget what the path was like. Last year wasn't easy. You know, there was a lot of struggles. How does that better prepare you for this year, having gone through adversity early and knowing how to handle being a repeat champ or defending champ, I guess? Yeah, just the experience that we have. We learned a lot of lessons last year, the year before, even my freshman year. So using those experiences that we've been through and helping us to compete and just know how to push harder than a lot of other teams, I feel like. Where have you seen your biggest improvement in the offseason? <laughs> a little bit of everywhere? Uh, you know, I think my biggest improvement this year has been mentally. You just got to go with the flow. Just don't push it, just go with the flow. 
it's been a lot of help having Janie here to help me. So it's, it's been good. Yeah, two new uh, grad assistants, two new volunteer assistants. What have they meant to you? Two very good. I mean, Sarah Gronewagen and Janie, who's playing for the U.S. national team. It's got to be some good help. Oh, yes. It's excellent help, especially when our pitchers are um, getting a little bit worn out and sore. Um, Sarah's able to come in and help us with that. And then even, like, during um, off days, Sarah's able to come in and just throw it to us and work with some things. And then Janie is a great athlete, and she's been helping us with, um, like, actually slapping during practice so that we can get some slappers because I'm really – there's a couple of slappers, but I'm really the only one that mainly slaps. So with Janie there, I'm able to get some defense practice with it as well. You didn't really want to wrestle Jocelyn, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> she would murder me. <laughs> then a final thought. You mentioned working on your slapping. Uh, so is right-handed hitting something of the past, or it might sprinkle it in a little bit? You had some success last year. Kind of what's that going to be like at the plate for you this year? You know, whatever Coach Gasso tells me she wants me to do is what I'll do. So, again, first pitch is set for 3.30. We'll be on the air with a 3:15 pregame show. That's AM 1560 for those of you that listen in the Oklahoma City and the Norman surrounding areas. If you can't get it, they're streaming on the Franchise 2 website. We'll have links all over the place on Soonersports.com. And actually, you know, not like I ever want you tuning away from the radio. The game on Friday night, the game against Grand Canyon, will be available on the Watch ESPN app, ESPN3. And then the Saturday night game against Grand Canyon will be on the WAC Digital Network. Well, let's segue, shall we, from softball to football. Signing day 2018 is in the books. Here was Lincoln Riley's press conference recapping it all. It was a really, really good day for us. You know, happy to happy to close out this class. Uh it was a unique day. Uh, felt very, very different. Uh, maybe even more different than the one in than uh, in the first one in December did. Just because of this is normally such kind of an action-packed day, and you know, really, ninety to ninety-five percent of our work was done. Uh, you know, here before the day even started. So, uh, you know, we added you know three players that we you know, really, really targeted throughout this entire process. Um, and, you know, we're important gets for us here at the end to close out the, this class the way that we wanted to. I'm uh, very thrilled about that. And, uh, you know, Deshaun White, uh, Michael Thompson, Braden Willis, those guys were uh, key gets for us. They were very, very important here uh, at the end uh, as we looked at kind of not only what we had signed in December, but also just looking forward to to next year's team and where some of these holes are and, and, and holes that we had to fill. And we felt like that we did that. And so happy to get this class, uh, again, finally signed up. Uh, we do, uh, you know, there may be some possible additions here as, as we go on. Um, and so we'll, you know, we'll continue to, to monitor those and keep you updated there as we can. Um, and But felt like we finished in a really, really good place um, going forward. So uh, thrilled to add these guys. Uh, you know, Deshaun was a... Deshaun White was a big gift for us. It was one of the inside linebackers that we targeted very, very early in the process and felt like that he was the, the number one guy on our board from the beginning. And it was a, it was a kind of a back and forth recruitment. Uh, Tim Kish, you know, did a great job, you know, building the relationship with that family. And Deshaun's just, we're getting a tremendous player. Um, guy that can play in space, has great physicality. Great maturity. Uh, I think he's a guy that could you could very well see being a team captain here one day. He has a lot of great leadership skills about him. So well, it was a big addition. Uh, Braden Willis was a guy that came on late, um, and and but really fits that kind of H back tight end uh, role that has become you know more and more uh, popular uh, for everybody, especially us offensively. And uh, He's a little bit different uh, when you compare him maybe to Dimitri Flowers or Mark Andrews, maybe maybe somewhere in between a little bit. I think he may be a guy that can give you um, some some really, really good versatility and was, was really kind of the, if you will, the late find in the class. And a lot of times those guys have a way of becoming some of the best players. It seems like you're in and you're out. So we're thrilled to be able to find him and add him from the Metroplex. And then uh, you know, Big Mike here was the, was the last one here this afternoon. That was a that was a big get. Uh, as as we all know, defensive linemen are they're the toughest position to recruit. Everybody wants them, and uh, there's there's not very many of them out there. And uh, it was a, a good battle, uh, but really 
it was great just to get him to, to finish off that class and, and a little bit different than the other different defensive linemen in this class and that he's a, you know, 6'3", you know, 315-pound-plus kid that can can be that dominant force in the middle that you need regardless of what kind of front you're playing. You, you need to have those guys, and he, he gives us a, a great presence there immediately. So uh, great to add those guys to, to what we feel like is just a, a really, really strong class. I was – I was looking at the whole class before we came down, you know, kind of finally seeing the whole group together. And it's it's a group as a coach that gets you really uh, excited about, you know, the future of Oklahoma football, about, you know, the impact that this class can have on not only next year but in the coming years. And uh, really proud of how our staff, again, handled this whole thing. Uh, Recruiting is, is not easy in itself for a lot of these guys, especially the top players. It's a multi-year process, and I think for our – our staff, our coaches, uh, everybody uh, involved to be able to to do this well, especially in this first year. You know, when this tenure started in June, which was a little abnormal, and to be able to, you know, round out a great class here, you know, is a is a credit to a lot of people. And I think the best is yet to come. You know, I think the impact of this facility, of some of the new hires that we've made, of of some of the I think advancements that we've made in recruiting is going to continue to pay dividends even further down the road. So uh, we're, we're thrilled to w- welcome these guys to Sooner Nation. Uh, happy to have this class behind us. And uh, you know, now we get to back, get back to some, to some football, which we're you know, excited to get back and start our, our spring ball prep. Um, one thing that I do want to announce, and then we'll get to questions, uh, Nick Basquin uh, tore his other Achilles tendon in a workout uh, last week. Uh, the non-contact was actually a, a kind of a low. It wasn't a it wasn't a fast-paced type of drill, even even closer to a warm-up. Um, the good news for Nick is, you know, that that injury happened soon enough. He's already uh, had it repaired. Uh, that we do expect that we'll have him back in, in fall camp and be ready to go. But he'll he'll miss spring ball for sure. So tough injury for him. But but Nick's been through it. And if there's anybody that can bounce back from that, he's he's the guy. It was his other Achilles, yes. Making five defensive linemen in this class, what can that mean for your program, not only this year but going forward? A lot of people don't think in the Big 12 you can recruit defensive linemen. You bring in five of the best. Yeah, you can You can recruit great D linemen in this league, and, and you can do it at Oklahoma. It's been done here a lot before, and, and we think we're on our way to doing it again. This class was a, a big step in that direction. Uh, you know, I give Calvin Thibodeau a lot of credit. Uh, I think he he did a tremendous job uh, on our staff of of you know building those relationships and, and going in there and getting some of these great players. Uh, a lot of people on the staff had a big hand in it, but uh, he was he was especially key. And I think this being his second year and having a chance to develop some longer term relationships with these guys was important. And excited about the ability to have that with with him and Ruffin now. You know, going forward. Uh, that it can hopefully be a multi-year deal for us. Um, I think we suffered as a program through the years of you know having it felt like a different D-line coach every single year. And uh, now we've got not only do we feel like we're going to have some continuity, but we've got two of them, and uh, you know two of the very best. So that was a big gift for us. And and the thing I like is all those guys are different. You know, you know Jalen Redmond kind of gives you the athletic presence. You know. Uh, Perkins and Tatum both give you a lot of versatility. Uh, you know, Kelly's a big kid, and then that th- we think's got a chance to be a really good player. And then Michael's kind of the, just the, the that kind of that massive wall that you want right in the middle of your defense. So there's there's a lot of good players there, but there's there's different skill sets, which I think is good for us. Now that you've been through this process, what would you tweak about it if you had the power to do so? Oh, I, I don't know that I would say anything yet. I, I think. Again, with these new visits coming up in the spring, I think you're going to have to, we're going to have to get through that cycle, you know, once or twice to really have a good idea about it. I'm still uh, certainly a fan of the early signing period. I think it's, uh, it's, it made this last month of recruiting so much more valuable. Uh, a chance to go see a lot of these, you know, 2019, 2020, even 2021 recruits, uh, a chance to evaluate more guys. You, you felt like you're just using your time uh, in such a more efficient way. So I think it was a valuable thing. Uh, and I think, again, when you pair it with these early visits that we're getting ready to have, it's going to be even better. Did you target – you went heavy on defense and you said you wanted to do that. But did you target different types of defensive players in the past? Because 
a lot of people say in the spread offense, he's facing the Big 12 guys, how they run, maybe smaller people, smaller linebacker safeties. Did you change anything, what you've done in the past, and the type of guys you recruit? Well, I, you, you've got to be able to stop both. I mean, again, whether it's whether it's a team in this league or, again, you you know, you see everything in the Big 12. I mean, you go up to Kansas State and you're going to have to stop the run 50 times, no matter you know, no matter what year you play them. Uh, there's plenty of teams in this league, including us, that that are very physical and that run the ball very, very well. Um, and then certainly with the big out of conference games that we tend to play, uh, both in the uh, regular season and postseason. You're going to have to be able to defend both. So we're we're looking for guys that that have that versatility, not just guys that can only play in space. Because you, when it does become a fist fight in the middle, you got to have guys that are ready to win that too. So, I think for us, it's just getting back to making sure that we're signing elite front seven guys. And uh, and and you know, and there's always the most competition for them. They're the toughest to get. And uh, but we've built everything. Uh, around kind of our recruiting model, we've built everything around being able to sign great defensive linemen, and this year was a great step in that direction. Link, I think one of the lasting pictures from when you first took over the job was you up in your office calling kids that first night. Um, did you know after that first night that you know you were going to be able to put together a recruiting class? Was there a time you remember this, you know, throughout this this year, this process that it was you were going to be able to be a good recruiter, bring a lot of kids in? Here? Oh, I felt confident in in our ability as a staff to recruit, and again, all you know, what we're selling here. I mean, the best college football program in America. This new building, I I knew it would come uh, to to get this good of a class. You know, this early with you know the the change happening in June was, uh, I think, a great step towards that. But I think. I think especially some of these big guys in state, you know, choosing to to stay with us. It was a year where there was a lot of heavily recruited players within this state, and uh, you know, be able to get you know Ron Tatum, you know, to be able to get and hang on to Bray Walker, you know, guys that were you know national Jalen Redmond. I mean, those guys were national type recruits, and so I think that was important for us. And then and then, like I said, we closed well here at the end. I mean, getting Michael Thompson, you know. Buki, I mean, a lot of those guys here at the end that were uh, Deshaun White, that were that were key targets that were heavily recruited was important. But I, I, I I'm confident what we have here. You know, I, I know uh, we've got a great staff. We're doing a lot of innovative things. We got a great program to sell. Kids can come here and do anything they want to do in college football. And uh, so, and I think as good as it was this year, I think it's getting ready to get better. You can't get caught up in recruiting rankings, but when you have back-to-back years of top 10 classes, what does that say about the program and how can it help in the future? Well, yeah, you're right. We, we, you know, we, we pay zero attention to the rankings. Um, I think deep down as a coach, a lot of times you know what you're getting within a class. Um, there's always some surprises here and there, but I think, you, I think deep down you know what you have regardless of what you know, a website might rank it. And so... You know, do you address the needs that you that you have, and then are you bringing in just a lot of quality players? I mean, I think sometimes you get a class where maybe there's a couple of big names at the top, but maybe, you know, on the other side of the class, there's maybe some guys that aren't going to be ready to contribute for a while. And I, I really feel like these last two classes have had a lot of you know immediate impact type guys and just a lot of quality depth across the board. And you just you feel that you felt the depth uh, of our team, which I thought was. You know, really good this year. It made the, the competition. I thought was a big part of us. You know, taking it as far as we did, and that that 2017 class was, you know, was instrumental in that. And I feel like we've got another class that can come make a big impact on this program. You're obviously trying to finalize things with this class, but how much were you able to get a jump start on next year's? A lot, a lot. It was again. I credit our our recruiting staff and our coaches. We we had a great plan. You know, I felt like. A lot of the changes with the new signing period, with only being able to send out the 25 NLIs, or all these recruiting changes created other changes that I think you had to be able to anticipate. And I thought, you know, that we really weren't caught off guard by much. I thought we had a great plan. Uh, we were able to see a lot of kids. Um, you know, obviously, these recruits have been seeing the, you know, the OU plastered over their TVs for the last several months. You know, it's been one of the most talked about programs and most one of the most talked about teams in the country. So, to to you know, be able to get back out there to uh, uh, to recruits from coast to coast, to be able to see them, let them see us, was was very important. And we feel like we're 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 certainly quite a bit ahead uh, compared to where we were at this time last year. 
in your recruitment of Tanner Mordecai, you had to kind of change course in the middle. You saw him in a quick offer and he immediately committed. Can you mm -hmm. talk about that story a little bit, that process? Because he had a great senior year. Yeah, I'd heard the name from a couple of guys that I really trust and, and uh, watched him on tape uh, from his junior year and really liked what I saw. So I went out to uh, to Waco and watched him and uh, in a spring practice and they were having a – they were having a scrimmage that day, and I I saw the ability. I mean, that's the that's the easy part to see. You can see that he's big, and he can he's athletic, can move, he can throw. I mean, he you know he's he's got what you want physically. But it was great to see him in that competitive environment. The the, the way the players kind of rally around him, the the excitement and edge and fire that he plays with. It was that probably sold me more than anything. I I knew he was our guy the second I left Waco Midway High School that day. Three, four years ago, graduate transfer, still kind of a new thing. But now you almost have to hold a scholarship or two, wait and see what might happen? You, you definitely do. I, I, we want to. I guess I don't say you definitely have to, but it's, it's, been, a, it's been a good thing for us. You know, we've had a, a great success with graduate transfers. Probably, I don't know if there's been another school out there that's had as many or as much success with those guys as we have. Uh, we've become a kind of a, a hot destination for those guys because they, they see the opportunity to come play at a place like this and they, they can go back year after year after year and see the Geno Lewis's and Jeff Bedettes and all the different guys that we've done it with that have come here and done so well. And so uh, uh, we had a plan going into this that we did not want to leave signing day without without a couple open. I mean, that's there's just enough that can happen and uh, we wanted to make sure that we had that flexibility. Well, it's a it's a complicated question because there's a lot to it. I, I think I I can see where that makes some sense, um, but there are so many unintended consequences of such a major rule change like that that you have really. You've really got to think through all those scenarios, and uh, to, if if that's all it simply changed, then sure you could see why that makes sense. But there's, uh, I think that's something that is that is critical enough that we better we better understand it. And for example, you know the new rule here this year, we can only send out 25 NLIs. Um, well, what are you going to do when your coach leaves and 20 players leave? And you can only sign 25 guys. How are you going to replace 45 spots with 25 NLIs? I mean, there's, and there's, we've talked about a lot, both as a staff, uh, Joe and I, uh, you know, trying to wrap our head around it. But there's, there's, there's always a lot more to it. And so I think you know we've got to really think about the uh, the entire model and and how it works and make sure that we don't mess up a lot of the things that are really good in college football right now. How important was it that you got your offensive tackles in this class? You send one to the NFL this year. <clears throat> Your next one's going to go to the NFL too, mm -hmm. so you kind of repl replenish that group. Yeah, it's 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 critical. You know, those guys. You know, Orlando was such a mainstay for us on that that left edge here for the last three years, and it's hard to play good offensive football without being good at that position. I mean, it just it is, and uh, you you've got a you, you got to target a certain kind of guy that that can mentally handle it, that can physically handle it, and then it's got the the length and the athleticism that you're looking for. And uh, yeah, so to get those guys in, you know, was great. And we're and we're optimistic that a couple of the guys we signed. I mean, we feel like Bray certainly will will play tackle, but we also feel like that you know between Tremonda, Daryl, those guys that we may have some guys that are able to play both, which I think in a perfect world, that's how, you know, Coach Beanbow and all of us would want it is you got guys that could play multiple positions, then you can, you know, you got the ability to move them around. I mean, look how valuable a Drew Samia has been for us to be able to start at right tackle as a true freshman, you know, move in, play guard here, um, and do both effectively has been very important for us. Coaches used to want to kind of hide uh, who they were looking at as for recruiting walk-ons so other people didn't come in. That's kind of become a much more public thing now for, you know, the preferred walk-on role. How much effort do you guys put into that now versus maybe, you know, what people were putting in five, ten years ago? And part two would be, you know, what's it mean to this program having a guy that went from a walk-on to a high school trophy? Yeah, no, I think there's, there's a lot of emphasis right now from our staff on that because – you know, we understand the quality of players that you can get there. And uh, there's a, a long history here of, of 
great walk-ons that, that have come in and impacted the program in so many different ways. And uh, so that was uh, that was something that our staff decided we needed to really put great effort into. And you know, I think we've got a really strong class of guys coming in that could have played football a lot of places. And these are all guys that are that are going to have a chance to impact our program in a lot of different areas in the future. And it's an area that we felt like as a team that we could improve on. And uh, so we've got some really exciting ones coming in. And as you guys know, I can't talk about them publicly until until they get here. Uh, but I think some guys are going to contribute early. And sure, it helps. You know, I think it helps that you got a coaching staff that that believes in walk-ons and, and guys giving guys a chance. I mean, hell, I was one of them. So. Um, uh, and then, of course, yeah, having, you know, with Baker's story, I mean, they know that they're going to get an opportunity at Oklahoma. And uh, so that's that, along with the staff's effort, has, has been very key in adding some of these really, really good players. How much do you like your role changing as a head coach? You were assistant before recruiting, now as a head guy. I would think some things change. Like <coughs> it, uh, just the whole process of, of what you went through your first year. I do like it. Yeah, I, I enjoy. The only thing I'm probably not going to like about it is, is you can't. I don't get. I'm not able to go see him as much as I was as, a, as an assistant. You know, I can't. I can't make quite as many trips. But I do. I, I enjoy being able to, you know, to get to know the guys at all the different positions. Enjoy kind of, you know, being able to help put it all together. Um, looking at it, you know, from kind of the bird's eye view and making sure not just individually adding great players, but they're the. It's the right fit. Um, and we're putting together a class that makes sense for us. Um, and again, it's been fun helping coordinate this with a, uh, just a fabulous recruiting team. You know, those guys again, you know, Annie Hanson and Drew Hill and our entire recruiting staff have just been, they've been great to work with. So I've, I've certainly enjoyed this part of it, and I know it's a, it's a critical piece. Lincoln, what was January 6th like? You had Buki announce the U.S. Army game. Hours later, Deshaun White flipped from the Aggies. How, how big of a day? What was that for you? Yeah, it was a big day. It was a big day. I mean, they were things that we, you know, we thought were coming, but you know, you just you never know, especially with quality guys like that that are as highly recruited as they were. But uh, they were, they were two major targets. I, I told our donor group, you know, before this that they, at their position groups, that they were some of the top names on our board from a long, long time ago, and uh, to be able to get through that whole process and. You know, now have those guys as Sooners is important. I mean, I, I feel like those two guys have a chance to be, you know, leaders and, and kind of mainstays in our defense for years to come. You signed five DBs. I think you got four in early. Right. How versatile are they? Are they, you know, are they just corners and safety? Or they can they play both? No, we've got some guys that can that can certainly play both. I mean, I think I think you know, Buki gives you that uh, that versatility. I think Miguel gives you that versatility. I feel like Starlin, you know, will 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 stay a corner. Uh, if I had to guess, I feel like Patrick Fields will stay a safety. Uh, Delarin obviously recruited to come in and play safety, um, and I, I feel like he'll probably stay there. But yeah, we've definitely got some versatility of being able to move those guys from the different safety spots. And again, Buki and Miguel certainly give us a lot right off the top. Robert, it's kind of the rest of the conference. The reason I bring it up, you guys went heavy on defense, got some highly rated guys. Thought Texas, I think, four of the top six of defensive guys. Is there a trend? I mean, everybody wants to have good defensive players, but is there a trend to maybe beef up that side because the Big 12 has been known so much for offense as a conference? No, I just think we're trying to get as good as we can as a team. You know, I don't, I don't really pay attention to, to you know, what other people's plans are on it. And I think you gotta, you know, you gotta know your own program and know what's best for us. You know, what have we done well and what's been important to all the success we've had and then where are the few key areas that, that we need to improve on. And so that's, we just try to address those and, and try to have at least some tunnel vision in that regard. Michael Thompson is uh, described as kind of built for the future. He's a bigger kid right now, maybe needs to lose some weight. What do you think about his, the way he can move and his chances for coming in and making an immediate impact? Yeah, he can, he just, you watch him move it's it's just hard to believe he's as big as he is and can move the way that he can i mean he is he's very gifted i mean to be able to do all the things this guy's done you know on the basketball court uh on the football field to be able to you know go back and forth between offensive and defensive line i mean it just you just don't there's just not that many guys out there that can move like that and then have that explosion so um, there's a reason why you know every every school in the country wanted this kid and uh so no, he was a big target, you know, and he brings us something that that 
you know, that we don't have much of right now, which is just that we've got some good defensive linemen, but I don't know we have anybody with just that overall size, you know, that can just be that guy that can just totally plug things up. And uh, I think it's important to have one of those. And uh, so, yeah, we, we love his versatility, love the, the combination of size and athleticism, and love that he fits a need that, that was important for us. Talking with his high school coach, it sounds like he was initially recruited as an offensive lineman mm-hmm. and then went over the defensive side. Was it just a matter of more needs on the defensive side, or do you like his skill set better? Yeah, yeah. We actually, when we first offered him, uh, Bill went and saw him in St. Louis and offered him as an offensive lineman, and that's how we initially started recruiting him. And then, um, yeah, as the recruitment wore on, uh, you got to see a little bit more of him playing defense this year. Um, our needs, you know got to a point where we felt like that it made sense for us to bring him in as a defensive lineman. And then it just kind of came together at the end. I, you know, I think, I think Ronnie Perkins was a factor, certainly, you know, and getting another great player out of the St. Louis area, which was obviously very good to us this year. Uh, you know, I think Ronnie, getting Ronnie here first was certainly a factor. And uh, like I said, Calvin and the rest of the guys did a good job at the end. You talked about the, the differences in signing day this year versus last. How did it feel different uh, this morning? Was that tactic or? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Normally it's, you know, there's, you know, all these different things coming in and there's, you know, maybe 10 different battles that you're fighting and hoping to get a couple out of them. And there's just so much more certainty. I mean, we, we, you know, we felt good about, we felt good about Deshaun, even though he had, you know, people knocking down his door until, until late last night and, and, you know, felt good about Braden, but, you know, Michael was the only one that we were, you know, what we wanted to see for sure how it was going to go. We felt pretty confident, but it was, other than that, it was, yeah, kind of an anticlimactic day, honestly. I mean, it was uh, exciting to get the whole class together, but it's certainly a, a strange feeling. It's, it didn't feel as much like signing day, honestly. The, the, the one in December certainly felt a lot more like the real signing day than this one did, at least this year. It seemed like, you know, when you closed, then you talked about January 6th. I think Nick Benito probably made his decision during your team um, function. Uh, do you feel like going to that second college football playoff really kind of was able to override any negative recruiting against you know this conference, you know the, the defensive numbers that you guys have been putting in? Well, I just think people people are starting to see through all the you know all the stuff that's out there. Um, they're starting to see the truth and. Uh, Finally, which is which is good, and uh, you know they're starting to see that there's really good football played in this league, and uh, and that this league will go toe to toe with any league any time. And uh, so I think they're seeing again kind of what we've said: the quality offenses in this league. You know, we we play a game against Oklahoma State that's high scoring, and it's a Big Twelve game that's this and that. We play a game against the SEC champion that's high scoring and it's one of the great Rose Bowls ever. I mean, but I think people are starting to see the reality of that. And uh, so I don't know that that was as much of a factor this time around. I think that myth is starting to starting to fade away a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, no, it feels good to get the guys that we have. And I think the, yeah, the, the success that we've had, again, three straight Big 12s and being in the being in the college football playoff two out of the last three years, they see that you know they can come accomplish anything they want. This is one of the premier programs in the country, without a doubt. There's unmatched stability here, uh, unmatched uh, consistent success, and uh, that is very appealing to a lot of these guys. What did you think of your wide receiver class? You got three guys. Yeah, it's a it's a good class. You know, we love we love Jaquelin's explosiveness, um, just kind of the raw athleticism that he brings to it. Uh, you know, Jalen Robinson, I think, is going to, you know, be a slot guy for us. I feel like uh, that just has elite feet. Um, just the, the quickness and being able to separate are just a real strength of his that, you know, are very critical at that position. And then we felt like Kendarius was a was a big one to get out of Memphis. I mean, the size, the physicality that you're looking for, great after the catch. Um, so, again, I think a group that really complements us and, you know we've got some we've got some good players at that group, and so we knew to to find guys that were going to make an impact. They had to be they had to be top tier guys. And we felt like that we got that. Thinking, talking about the uh, way people view the conference, did you even get any affirmation during the Super Bowl on Sunday? You know, there was 
your your fear over in Stillwater, Mike Gundy was, was tweeting during the game that it looked it looked awfully familiar to him. What he was, I don't know if you got a chance to watch start to finish. Yeah, I did. No, I did. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, well, I think the NFL is starting to to catch up with what a lot of people are doing offensively. And I think that's showing. I mean, you just watch those two teams, the two best teams in the NFL going at it. I think it's pretty apparent that it didn't look much different than a than a Rose Bowl or than a Big 12 game. And uh, so it's uh, I think that's good for it's good for our conference. Uh, it's good for, you know, our, our guys, uh, you know, the six guys here that we got going to the combine and all of our future draft picks here. It's it's a uh, Again, people are people are starting to catch up with it, and that's good. They're starting to catch up with reality. They're starting to catch up that, you know what, just because a team's under center, just because in they're they're in the NFL, it's not just an NFL offense, or just because at college you're in the shotgun, it's not a college offense, or not every play action is an RPO. I mean, it's it's you know that those lines are kind of starting to blur a little bit, which I think is good. And, uh, you know, people are just appreciating good quality football, quality schemes. I think you see a lot of them in this league, and I think a lot of people are catching on and following suit. The play that, that, that the Eagles called before the half, the reverse pass to Foles looked familiar, obviously, to those who watched the Rose Bowl and what you did with Baker. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that one before. CD. Yeah, both right before the half, too. Um, yeah, it was a cool play. You know, it's fun to see them. Use those kind. The Patriots had one dialed up, you know, as well. Uh, you know that they just missed completing. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun to see the leagues open up. And again, I think it's great to see that, you know, the, the offenses, especially with the two top teams in the in the in the NFL, are so similar to what we're doing here. I think it just it continues to strengthen our argument that you know we think we're doing some some good stuff and and that we're, you know, really training and exposing these guys to getting ready to play at the next level if that's what's in the cards for them. Someone posted on social media yesterday an exchange on the sideline before the, the play that it looked like Foles was actually the one that suggested to Peterson that they that they run it. It's just out of curiosity. Was was that was that installed primarily for that moment in that game, or did the, the play you ran in the Rose Bowl, or was that in your back pocket from weeks before, and that was just the right time to, to do it? Or we had we had had it in the game plan. A couple of times during the year, uh, obviously never used it, just never got the right situation to call it. But it was one of those that we felt like would be a good call, and if the right situation came up, and and you know, right when it, right when we got the ball on that hash, we we knew what we were going through pretty quick. And then was it Mayfield suggesting it to you? No, I don't think we were out of a timeout on that one. I don't think. Um, I don't think so. I don't. I don't have any memory of that. I think we. I think right when we got it on that hash, we we knew we were going through it. And you got eight. You had eight guys enroll early. Tremont said he was going to enroll early, but hasn't. Is there any update? Yeah, um, academically wasn't to a point where that was uh, ready to happen yet, but we fully anticipate that he'll he'll be here in June. Lincoln, can you confirm the transfer of Ricky DeBerry? Do you anticipate any other changes before spring? I don't think before spring. Rick, Ricky DeBerry is going to transfer. Uh, he's going to uh, finish out this semester uh, as a student here. Uh, you know, get his credits uh, completed to to uh, to go ahead and graduate and then move on. And you know, we've given Ricky support. Um, Want to know that, like I said, we're here for him. Going to help him out academically and and uh, hopefully help him find a, a great spot to finish his career up. There's occasionally staff movement after this day right. and other, other years, other programs. Do you anticipate any staff changes? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Not not anything that I know about right now. Like you said, there's always there's always that possibility. I mean, hell, I got named a head coach in June, so <laughs> we know anything can happen. But uh, no, I, I think we're I think we're pretty stable at this point. Other than DeBerry, was there anyone that you envision or, or haven't spoken about that, that the Not that not that I know of right now. No. When do you guys have spring practices starting? We are starting. Uh, we're still kicking around the date right now. We are going to practice the week before spring break. Uh, we'll practice that Tuesday and Thursday uh, before we start. Before we go to spring break, our first practice will either be that Saturday or Sunday uh, before that. Where uh, a lot of these new player hour rules, um, we're trying to make sure that we're uh, in line with those. Last time we talked to you, you were pushing for eight thousand. Mm -hmm. you got any updates for what you want to do around that game? Uh, 
we're we're close. We're close. We've we've got some. I think some things are really going to get our fan base excited. Uh, like I said the other day, it's not. I didn't simply want to put all of that on our fan base. I, I realized to do that, we've we've got to put something out there to to get them excited that they can rally around. It's got to be a group effort, both from us and our fan base. So. Uh, our administration is really stepping up. We've got some great things planned before and around the game, uh, during the game, uh, that I think is it's going to make it uh, a great experience that people are going to want to be at. It's going to be a hot ticket, and uh, so we're we're excited about it, and we'll we'll announce it here as soon as we can for our for our, for our guys out there. What's the weirdest suggestion you've gotten so far? To have you perform. <laughs> Do like media kicker tryouts? I think so. I think so. Find out what kind of athletes we have in there. So we'll be checking back in with football in a couple of weeks as we get ready for the NFL Draft and Oklahoma's Pro Day in early March. Oboe, Baker, Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown Jr., as many as four Sooners expected to go in the first round, if not the first and potentially high second round for, say, Oboe and Mark Andrews. Jordan Thomas gets a combine invite. Meech Dimitri Flowers gets a combine invite. There's been a lot of buzz about Dimitri Flowers and the Oakland Raiders with John Gruden taking over, so we'll keep an eye on Dimitri at the Combine. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for downloading the Sooner Sports Podcast. Should be a fun weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday with Toby Rowland to recap a busy weekend of hoops. Oklahoma on the road for a huge, huge showdown against Iowa State this weekend. We'll recap it all on Tuesday's Sooner Sports Podcast. And, of course, we can't forget about the big run the Sooner women's basketball team is trying to get on. OU has won two of their last three games. They play Saturday against Kansas. And then next Saturday in Morgantown against West Virginia, Congratulations to Anna Anusa, by the way, our Sooner-born, Sooner-bred Oklahoma Farm Bureau feature athlete last week, was named the National Freshman of the Week. A busy weekend in Sooner Athletics. Obviously, our focus a lot on softball and football. All hoops on Tuesday's edition of the Game Plan. Until then, have a great weekend. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.